Usually, most of the time, it ends up in a judgment, and with that judgment, a landlord can get possession and can have an eviction. Right. So, so like in my case, and I don't want to talk about the whole case. I don't yeah. want to talk about, it, but you know, it, it wasn't. I don't that even money. remember your case. Yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> that works out. Did your guy even good. show up? The guy didn't show up. That's oh well, that made that's it why easy. I made it easier to talk about, right? Because he didn't show up, and it was a case where, in in my case, it was, it was, um, I don't know, it was, it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't really a paying issue it was the tenant was just out of control because you know he had an issue with drugs yeah yeah and, and, that, and that was why i was a victim which is very weird because I, I actually evicted a tenant who was paying four days in advance every month which was kind of wild all right so uh, okay so he, i'm getting all these i'm getting all these messages from glenn because i got all these all these microphones going on here okay anyway well, so i getting, have a question i have a question. yeah sure so is there so you said something about money so i have a tenant that I'm dealing with and I'm really I'm ready to file and I'm going to file on Monday probably at mm -hmm. around noon. So my question is that she she paid me a thousand dollars but she's still a thousand dollars behind. So is there like a money limit where, where you hit a point and you say it's not worth it for this amount and you have to wait it out or? It, you know it, it depends on your situation. I have you know the big corporate owners that have you know a thousand units or 200 units some of them Every month, if they're five days late, they're filing. They can afford to file five, 10, 15, 20 landlord tenants a month. Mm -hmm. If you're a landlord, it is a hassle. You got to go there, you got to pay the money. That's a decision for the landlord how many properties you have. If you have management, you let the management take care of that. Um, it really depends. I do have some private landlords that only own one or two properties. Mm -hmm. They'll let it go a few months, and then it, it gets a down mistake. a rabbit hole. That's right. a big mistake. A few yeah. months? A yeah. few months. Yeah. So, yeah. so we teach them. They try to be nice. Yeah. You know how it is. So I, I have to ask you, Your Honor, what happened if a landlord will come to you after a few months that that apparently the tenant haven't seems to show any good effort? Mm -hmm. This is the, what, let's say, uh, reason that the tenant will bring to court that will be, let's work it out. So I... I never, I try to avoid getting to reasons. Because mm -hmm. if I get into reasons why tenants can't afford to pay, it's just going to be a sob story. It's going to be emotionally taxing. And it really doesn't matter. I mean, there are situations that happen, but that is not, the point is you have a contract with the landlord and the tenant to pay every month. I can't get into, well, my dog died or my dad was sick. It, I, I avoid that at all costs because it doesn't matter. Yes. So then we just get into the money amount and... I, I really am trying to foster conversation between the landlord and the tenant and a way to work this out and try to work together to get caught up. And most landlords want to get caught up. They want to, if it's a good tenant, they just want to make sure they're paying. I think all of them. Yeah. Nobody wants that the, 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 the unit will be, will be empty right now. Yeah. They need to renovate, right? They need to make it ready. They will have one or two months that the unit is actually empty. Uh, yeah, but tenants fall behind. Now, there's been a lot of, uh, especially since COVID, a lot of rental assistance. There's a good yes. program that comes yes. into our court, Epic. Uh, they've Epic, been great. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. yeah. And it, look, it's it's helpful. There is a, a pool of funds, and there's a couple private funds as well. I don't know them off the top of my head that will help tenants out, especially ones with kids that are having trouble so catching up on the bills. I actually had experience with Epic, and I think Larry, too. Yeah, actually, I haven't had experience with Epic, but interestingly enough, we are we're starting a charity, our own charity. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, you, you were away yeah. from the microphone. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah, yeah. we're starting. Yeah, it's because I'm controlling everything right now. Um, we have our own charity. It's called Lev27.org, and it's actually we're starting it. Uh, we're actually 
it's almost up. We're almost ready to take donations. And what we're going to be doing is for people who are like, I mean, you've probably seen this before where the guy was paying for three years and then all of a sudden one month he's behind. Sure. Something happened. It was a car accident. And you, know, you have no choice, but you have to do what you need to do as a judge. But we want to we want to fly in and rescue them and say, hey, look, you know, here's here's what the judge wanted. Here's what the landlord wanted. Um, and as long as they have a plan to get back on their feet, we're going to cover their month or two of rent. And, and really, as a judge, I'm just assessing what the monetary outlay is, how much is owed. I really encourage the landlords to try to work at, they're the ones with the ball sure. in hand once they get the judgment. I explain that to tenants. I'm like, you're not looking at me. you got to look at this landlord, and you got to talk to the landlord and figure out a game plan. Either it's a game plan to pay, do what a payment plan, or an exit strategy. And try to do an exit strategy that's fair and in good faith. And I believe most of the time this happens. Uh, I don't know. Once they're out of my court, I don't know. Yeah, if they I don't pay, it. an eviction's filed. If they do pay, I never hear from an entry satisfaction. And there you go. Yeah, right, right. So, so by the way, if anybody wants to call in, if you're a landlord or you're a tenant and you have questions about eviction or what you can do, 855-939-1137, 855-939-1137, 855-939-1137. Four more times, right? 855-939-1137. Okay, do you want to say it now? 855-939-1137. Right. And one now, more time. All the, all the people with the accent can understand. Now, the people with the accent, right. 855-939-1137. Exactly. So, so one of the things that I always get as you know, teaching real estate and teaching people uh, real estate is, oh, I wouldn't want to... I wouldn't want to be a landlord. Those tenants never pay, right? And I, I always tell them the reason they're not paying is because you're not filing. And then they say, well, those judges, they, they, they're always for the tenant. They're not for the landlord. <laughs> no. It, no. Well, look, it depends. I don't even think it depends. But Philadelphia, I, I heard one of your broadcasts. Oh Philadelphia's a whole different world. Yeah, so exactly. I don't want to get into what, what goes on in Philadelphia. <laughs> I know in Montgomery County. I know my colleagues. We're going to have those hearings. We're going to get them filed within two weeks. We're going to have the hearings right. fairly, I mean, within two weeks. We've got we got a process, and we follow the process. And uh, we encourage it. You've got to file. You, you really do have to do it. But I, I do understand landlords, I'll wait an extra month. I've known this tenant and trying to work it out before they get to that point. So, But, yeah, now judges are going to follow the law, at least in Montgomery County we are. Right. And if you owe money, you owe money. And, and that's the way it is. And if there's an issue with the landlord, if there's black mold or or a hole in the roof, we'll talk. Oh, about sure, it. We'll sure. Figure it out. Well, in, in, which, in Philadelphia, if you have mold, <laughs> the, the it, it's, it's Philadelphia is so bizarre. This is why I always say there are two places in the world to invest: one's Philadelphia, <laughs> and one's everywhere else. And I choose everywhere else. I mean, Philadelphia has some of the strangest laws. If you if they find mold in the house, you literally have to give the tenant back all the all the money that they paid plus their security. So, so they could have been there for nine months. So you got to give them all the money back. Now. What we know about mold, that maybe I agree about mold. Now it's going to apply, it's, we start to see it regarding lead. Yeah, so until, right. uh, exactly, until, until right. maybe a year ago, you add the disclosure with your lease regarding the risk of lead that can be inside the house. Now we test the houses. So again, I'm talking about Philadelphia at least. In Philadelphia, mm -hmm. if there is a risk, if the tenant bring a test and, and th there is any kind of lead risk inside the house, you as a landlord need to take care of them. You need to put them in a hotel to, to scrape oh, yeah. the paint. It's paint. insane. I know. It's but, absolutely insane. But one of the, one of the keys, and I, I get this often, is the communication and a, and a paper trail. So often I have tenants, well, I had this problem. 
Did you ever email the landlord? No. no. Did you ever? T- I yeah, texted right. him once. Did you text him again the next day? No. And they, they don't understand. Put it in writing. Email. Right. Get the email. I, I say email. Text works. I mean, it's legal and it's evidence. Yeah. But I think email is the best. You got a timestamp, and email. And if it, if they don't respond the next day, email again and exactly. ask them to respond and just have a, a fostering written discussion. I mean, it's not everything, but it helps with your case and especially if you're a tenant and you're having issues with your landlord put it in writing absolutely true. I, I tell you why I'm in love right now <laughs> <laughs> because look closer to you. every every time every explanation he he just gave uh, was him addressing to the tenant what did you do what what was your action through this process pro- progress to say I can't pay my rent I have a problem in my house anything and at least according to my experience, in Montgomery also, actually, I was sitting sometimes in front of a judge and he didn't address the tenant at all. He was talking to me all the time. I was in this court twice that the tenant was not there, that the judge actually tried to convince me. He forced it on me. And so I will wait for Epic because it was during COVID. What do you mean he forced it on you? We will wait. And... Actually, in the second hearing, he said, I will make sure your tenant will be here next week. And So he continued it unilaterally? Exactly. Yeah. So he said to me... I hate that uh, stuff. That, that's my, so my, wrong. My wife was sitting <laughs> on the bench, and she, was, she looked at me like who, is, like, who is going to be responsible that we will be here next time? Yeah. He is responsible that the tenant will be here. And this is, th- th- this is, this is I think, th- the problem that, that many people are afraid of. Sometimes some judges believe that all landlords are like Russian oligarchs <laughs> and they have so much and who they are that they will come and file a complaint against a tenant. I, 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 okay, first of all, I wouldn't unilaterally continue. What I would do is try to get a phone number and call that tenant. So you did and that I at do my that. Yes. You did that at my hearing. I do. I, you tried I, to call the tenant. And I do yeah. that for traffic tickets. Yeah, well. I've done that for criminal matters. In person. Like In, while the, while well, let's say an officer shows up. It's a traffic ticket for registration was expired. And I have the number of the guy, and he lives right around the block. I'll give a call. And nine out of ten times, oh, I forgot. Oh, I'm at work. Oh, this and that. And I'm like, look, just email the registration. Did you get it taken care of? Because, you know, that steamrolls and, and turns out that. Oh, in sure. the landlord-tenant situation, I would never, I won't say never because maybe there is some hypothetical situation, but I would call the tenant. If the tenant's not there, they're not there. And that's the end of it. And the hearing goes on. We did that with you, Larry. Yeah, you call, You would call the tenant, and I knew, I knew they weren't going to answer. Yeah. But, and but it was interesting that. And I, I, actually, I actually thought that was admirable. You know, I'm sitting there going, I just want I just want this to be over with, but at the same time I thought it was admirable. But I also want to say, in general, most both parties are good. Everybody wants to do the right thing. There are bad tenants, there are bad landlords. I've seen it both. There's no more bad tenants or bad landlords. There's just every now and then there's there's a tenant that doesn't get it or pros. a landlord that doesn't get it. Yeah. And I I've had it go both ways. And you know, you know, just gotta deal with it. It's frustrating. But sometimes you you get them both I ways. Get it. All right. So real quick, anybody out there, 855-939-1137, 855-939-1137. You could call up. You could ask about anything you want that has to do with this topic or any other topic. 855-939-1137 is the number. 855-939-1137. Is it good, Glenn? Are you, are you talking over me again? 
<laughs> I have to. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to uh, mute your microphone. To mute, yeah, yeah. That's the only way because the masking tape didn't work last time. <laughs> you know, I challenged all my friends in Facebook world to call in. Nobody's calling. That's right. <laughs> not, not, not calling. Not calling. It's like 95 outside. Everybody's yeah, in the pool. Well, you know, I got like a thousand <laughs> Facebook friends, but I think I have 20 that actually go on Facebook and look at it. So, yeah. you know. So once again, you know, this is this is I have Judge Ed Levine here. He's a Montgomery County judge. And I'm telling you right now, this is a great if you're a landlord or if you're a tenant and you want to find out about the actual process of evicting someone or preventing yourself from being evicted filing a complaint this yeah. is a great place this is a great time to call 855-939-1137 okay so i gotta ask you so so it troubles me the way pennsylvania does things so they have this <laughs> district court and then they have the real court which is what the common well the common com pleas court common pleas court yeah. right so what what is the difference between a district court and a common pleas court so the district court is basically the gatekeeper and landlord tenant matters originate out of the district court um, so what we do is we do the landlord-tenant matters, commercial and mm -hmm. private. Uh, we do traffic tickets, non-traffic tickets. We do civil matters under $12,000, so small claims. So basically like Judge Judy stuff, which is fun and interesting. <laughs> and criminal matters, we are the ones that do the arraignments. So when somebody gets arrested and you have to set bail, we determine what the bail is. And also we do preliminary hearings, which is when a criminal comes in after being arraigned, and the Commonwealth has to show that they have prima facie enough evidence to charge somebody with the crimes they're charging them with, which is a low burden, but there are times when they don't present enough evidence and mm. charges get thrown out, maybe not the whole case, maybe some of it. Uh, so we have those hearings. It's interesting every day. It is, it is a great gig. And in the state of Pennsylvania, there is a 500-ish MDJs that each have their own individual district. So I know my properties i know the landlords i know a lot of the management that comes in um right. and i get you know a relationship with them so you know i understand that and i do get repeat tenants it's amazing okay. how many tenants i have that just pay late they get filed against every month twelve hundred dollars is a rent they get a late fee yep. plus the filing fees and all that and they do it almost every month and they're paying instead of twelve hundred they're paying seventeen hundred a month and they just do it I know it's forever and it do is. you see it from from one property to another so they move from one property to another, and they behave the same way yeah. in the new property. Right? Yeah, it, it, there, there gets to a point where the, the property owner, after, oh, we have to file seven or eight times, we're not going to renew their lease. Yes. And they go to the next property, they do the same. It, it's not that exaggerated. I've had some that are like three or four times in a year. And it is interesting. I had one the other day that they signed a one-year lease. They got renewed, and they were four months into the one-year lease, and I think it was their second time yeah. late. and. The landlord's like, well, we want possession now. I'm like, no, you you renewed the one-year lease. You know the game. They're playing. You're playing. They always pay. So I always do a pay and stay. Pay and stay is a different than possession. So pay and stay is, you know, grant judgment if money, I don't even so know. So what is that? Is that, is that seven days after pay or is it ten days after pay? No, so that timetable, is it really is determined by the landlord when they get the judgment. Okay. The, the timetable is, okay, the judgment goes in. There's a 10-day appeal period if they think my judgment's wrong. No, usually, both parties are sitting there. They agree on the number. Sure. During those 10 days, of course, the tenant can pay and do whatever. Once that 11 day, 11th day hits, the landlord could file for possession, but they don't have to. And I tell the landlord this. I'm like, you got 120 days. You can work with the tenant. You got this. But then I tell the tenant, it balls in the landlord's court, and if for some reason things fall apart, Epic doesn't come through, you're, this doesn't happen, that doesn't happen, landlord's going to file or could file, 
And even if they do that, something would get posted on your door and you'd still have 10 days. A lot of people fear, oh, I'm, am I going to go to jail? Are they going to just come in and take my stuff? There's a process. Yeah. It takes time. And you have to just follow the process. So you get panic on the tenants. And most landlords, they, they know the process. Most of them do. Some huh. of them do. Interesting. So so, so let's, let's go over the process. So the first thing is uh, my, my tenant's late. And I always tell people that I file on the 15th. So if I hold to that, which I do... On the 15th, I file. So I get a court date on the 1st or the 2nd yeah. of the next month-ish, right? Yeah. Then I get that court date. Now they owe two months, right? Well, you got to make sure you check, okay, additional rent remaining due at the hearing. Uh, oh, some, did you guys some, hear? I went, say that again. So one of the boxes you check, you know, you put down how much is owed. Right. But then you can also check off additional rent remaining due at the hearing because – the you know the seventeenth of May they may owe something but you have the hearing on June fifth now they owe June they haven't paid that you want to be able to add that into Absolutely. the judgment I always as well. put TBD right. because you never know because sometimes it gets postponed and sometimes you get the the, the hearing in, in in a week sometimes it can be ten days it's one of those things it's not hard fast I I think if a tenant objected to additional rent being put into the judgment because they didn't check the box, I'd honor it. But usually tenants aren't aware of that. They don't know. So the TBD right. would hold up. And by the time we get there on June 5th, sure, that extra sure. money is mm -hmm. going to come in. All Here's right, so, the rent. So real quick, there's a couple of guys online. Hold on, guys. I know, George and Gary, just hold on. I don't want to end this conversation because it's actually a really good piece yeah. of conversation. Amazing. So just, just stay online. Um, so so all right. So then you've got – then you go to hearing, and, and I win as the landlord – then what happens? I've got he's got ten days to appeal. Ten days to appeal. Well, both of you have ten days to appeal. Okay. Either party can appeal. Right. I'm assuming then, I won. I'm assuming. I'm just. I'm going assuming to. I'm, I'm assuming won. I won the hearing. Right. And it's not a win. It, again, it's a determination of what is owed, and really that's what it is. Unless it's possession, and you win possession. Well, I didn't. But I didn't go to possession. That's why. That's why. That's why I'm going now. Yeah. So we have ten days. So so they don't pay. Uh, they make a promise to pay. Ten days later, they didn't pay. Now, the 11th day, I can go into the court, and I can file for possession. You file for possession. So what's yeah. it called the first time you go and file? Complaint. 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 You're just filing a complaint. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, so now when I go in for possession, how many days does it take before I get a court hearing for possession? You don't get a hearing. Okay. That is not a hearing. What that is is we take the paper, we process it, we give the paperwork to a constable. The constable then posts something on the door saying, here you go. You got 10 days to vacate the property if it's a possession. Extra or you have 10 days to pay the amount that's owed. Okay. Or you're going to lose possession. Got it. And that so, that's what happens. Yeah, and, that, and that now, um, so now the constable reaches out to me or reaches out to the, to the landlord. And now, I don't know if you can answer you can ask this question, but would you recommend that the landlord be there the day the constable shows up? I don't think that's necessary. Um no. Somebody's got to open the door. Well, no, the constable, the, oh, the day the constable shows up to take possession. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would absolutely yeah. have the right. landlord there. Um, yeah, I got some stuff. I had I one. Bet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had one where, and this was a real shame. I got really upset. Uh, they worked with Epic. Epic had the deal. The deal was on the table. Right. Money was going to be exchanged. And for some reason, the landlord or the the law firm representing them on that 11th day filed for possession, even though no one knew a check was coming. The check didn't come yet, but oh, there were email the exchanges thing. between Epic yeah, and the landlord the and everybody. Thing. Check's coming. Check still didn't come by the day of yeah. the lockout, and the constable, I mean, the, constable, the, the manager was there and still told him to lock him out. And it's like, really, you're the one who signed off on this agreement with Epic. The guy was apoplectic, the tenant. He was like, oh, my God, I'm getting locked out of my home. I've got this whole – we got it all in writing, and the only thing that's happening is the check just hasn't come yet. 
That's why a landlord, you got to have a little grace. They didn't. Like, well, I sent okay. a, a so, scathing email. Well, well, to I'll go back and so. forth on that statement. I, I, as a landlord, look, I, I mean, I've never had it go to that last day, but I've had it. I've had people, I've had tenants where they literally paid on the ninth day, yeah. which is ridiculous. Oh, I've had tenants, not me personally, but I've had my yeah. counsel tell me tenants come as I'm undoing the locks with the money. Right. Boom. Yeah, no, we, we, I, I, and it's, it never happens with me. It happens with my property manager. Yeah. In, in Lehigh Valley, <laughs> so I have I manage some of my own properties, which this stuff never happens, but but it does happen in my Lehigh Valley properties, and they do they they show up the next day with all all the money, yeah. I, and I think that's crazy. Well, it's it's where do they get them? I mean, they may go to a church, they right. may have a friend. I, you right, find it right. somewhere, they get it, and when they get it, and they get it in. It, and again, most tenants don't want to be late. They don't want to not pay. They want to pay. It's just... Sorry, so if we're talking about full eviction from beginning to end, it sounds like 45 days is even long. Oh, beginning... At the quick... at the Well, then you got to give the notice to quit, too. Right, so let's that. get into notice and to quit. And it takes time to get the hearing date. Yeah, but let, yeah. let, me, let me do this real quick, because I, I don't want to lose the guys online. George, are you still there, George? Yes, yes. Hi, what's going on, man? How, how, what would you like to talk about? Um, the slip and fall, I had an incident where one of my tenants fell Yeah. and it was like nine months and, and nobody told me anything until the last day she moved and then they filed for, uh, uh, damages. And what can I do as a landlord? Because they're saying that my, there was enough light illuminating um, in my apartment. Well, and that I sounds, to have, uh, that sounds like a civil matter. Yeah, right. That's not really a landlord. If, if she's suing you cause she slipped and fell. I think the statute of limitations is two years. So, yeah, so nine months later, yeah. I mean, that's, and are you insured, and do you have an attorney for that? And that's a slip and fall sort of thing. So Did she it, actually file, George? Yeah, she did. So it, you, it, you it got to settle, but I, I, okay. yeah, I, they had, my insurance covered it, but okay, I right. was dumbfounded by how they finagled the system where they can get a claim without really any baseless uh, uh, proof that, that they fell. Well, I'll just say this, it's settled. I mean, if the claim was totally baseless and your insurance company wanted to fight it, they'd fight it. Maybe it was baseless, maybe it wasn't. I don't know the facts. Or maybe so. they paid him so little it wasn't worth, yeah, it yeah, wasn't exactly. worth fighting. But George is mad because his insurance went up. You would think. You know, it's interesting. I've had a couple of ca- I had one case where it was Uber getting sued by a driver. And you'd think Uber's, it's a, you know, it's for $2,000. They'll probably right. just pay it or do whatever. They flew a woman out from San Francisco, an attorney, to come out for this case, and wow. she rocked it, and she won that case. Right. Uh, I've had other. Who was the other? And one I can later? tell you why. Why they did that because they didn't want to set the precedent. Yeah, they would sooner spend twenty grand fighting the two thousand dollars case so somebody else doesn't bring up the two thousand dollars case. Absolutely, that was their reason. I've and seen she, that with other big companies. If she wants, she got her legal expenses too. A pretty. Uh, oh, the uh, the the, uh, the Uber lawyer. The Uber, well, they they weren't sued. They were getting sued. Yeah. So, but still, she won the case. She, so I guess she deserves. No, no, she doesn't get. She doesn't. It's in, in the United States, this is interesting. That in the United States, you don't automatically get the legal expenses unless you sue for them. So you have to do a countersuit to sue for the legal expenses. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. But in a landlord-tenant complaint, there is a section in the form regarding how much the yeah. your legal expenses are going to be, and do you want to add them? Oh, that's a, that's an interesting point. There is that. And it's, it's funny because some law firms only ask for a, a reasonable amount, actually nominal. I mean, I have one firm, they ask for about $250, right. $300. I had one guy come in. Uh, 
This guy, his his client was a young guy, probably went to your class. I'm not. <laughs> he he purchased the property with a tenant who was living in it for eight years. Amazing. She was about four months into a 12 month lease. And he filed to get her evicted because she had a pet cat, and the lease says no cats. No, but she had lived there for eight years with the pr- – constructively, she was allowed to have a cat. And it was the most nominal thing. I'm like, is this cat really doing anything? You're just trying to get the property, flip it, and do what you want to do. The attorney for this case wanted $1,500. I'm like, are you kidding me? For one hearing? For one hearing. He's like, how about halfway? I'm like, how about nothing and don't come in here and file until this is done? She was paying. She was doing everything right except right. she had a cat. This is yeah. an old lady. I'm like, come on. Give it eight months. My You'll God. get to take possession. Yeah. It, the lease will expire. But don't try to push this, push it through the system. Yeah, exactly. But the 1500 I was just like, really, man? <laughs> All right, so. Uh, George, can we ask how much was the lawsuit? Did you, did you, I think George left. originally no. wanted to... They originally wanted $250,000. They got $250,000? No. That's what they asked for. Oh, two yeah, fifty. Yeah. okay. I, I'm going to say they got $12,000. Yeah. No, they got $27,000. I was going to say twenty-five. That's even surprising. I'm surprised yeah. that they did but that. As a, as a landlord, what, what can landlords do to prevent uh, these frivolous lawsuits? Because it's, it's draining to have, to have your insurance goes up and, and all the frustration and time that you have to deal with with so, someone who's you know unstable. Let's, so let's, let's have the worst problem. landlord. Let's have the worst <laughs> landlord answer that question. Yeah. Okay, do, now, do the, the opposite of what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no. But the, 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 <laughs> every ins- so everybody do it differently. Some people insure all their properties under one umbrella. I like to do a separate insurance policy for each property and have a $1 million liability for each one of the properties, exactly for this matter. So I won't worry for anything when things like that happen. So George, he's basically got my answer too. The answer is just insure the property. And you know what? Don't, you, you, just because the insurance, just because it's your insurance company, you don't have to cooperate a lot. You know, you do have to give them little things. And if they say you have to show up for, for, a, uh, for, for, for a hearing, you don't have to. You know, they want to negotiate, great. You can tell them, hey, don't pay it. You can do anything you want, but don't work so hard. And most of all, just don't care. I mean, I actually had one where I had, a, a, I had this was an old one. About 20 years ago, one of my, my one of my properties in Trenton, the the the, the pilot light in the stove went out. It went out. So okay. the woman, you know, decides to light the pilot light, and you know what she does, right? She boom. She Take turns the, the gas to 500, oh and she puts God. her head inside the oven and lights the match. Well, the explosion, you know, puts scars all over her face, yeah. all over her arms, all over her body. And she called me up and she told me what happened two days later because she was in the hospital. And I said, "Oh my God, that's horrible." And I said, and the first thing I said is, I will get a new stove with an electronic ignition out there tomorrow. And I said, do you need my insurance company information? And she said, no, I got it. I got my insurance going to take care of it. Now, she could have sued me. She could have won. She might not have won. I don't really care. But, but what's the difference? Even if she would have sued and she would have got a hundred, it's that's what the insurance company's for. I don't really care. I, 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 the lawyer in me does want to point out. He said the word frivolous. If it is indeed frivolous, again, the insurance company would have fought it and it's a high burden to show for it. so i'm not saying it was or wasn't i don't know what happened george but yeah exactly don't assume it's frivolous mm. yeah um let the lawyers fight that one out uh but things happen so you know fortunately i don't think it affected you that much i think yeah. you have the property and you're renting it out george we appreciate the call man i mean would you recommend okay okay, okay, I'm sorry. okay, would, okay I, 
Thank you. Uh, no, I'm going to say, uh, what can uh, can we can we put cameras or something like to prevent yeah, that? Yeah, sure. I mean, any evidence you have that counters whatever they're saying happened, that's great. I mean, put a ring. To, I think as a landlord, you're allowed to have cameras on outside. Yeah, outside, property. but not yeah. inside. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah you got to be really careful with the cameras too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm where, sure where there's legal to. thresholds. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, okay. But George, Thank we you appreciate very much it, man. For taking my call. Thanks, man. All right, so Thank real you. quick, everybody, this is Larry Steinhaus. This is Investor Schooling Live. I'm here with Dr. Deb and Omri and Judge Ed Levine and his son, who, who eventually we're going to get to. Hopefully, we'll have time. Uh, I know he has some questions, some financial questions. But uh, if you want to call in, 855-939-1137, 855-939-1137. You can ask your questions to the judge, myself, or anybody else here, 855-939-1137. And don't forget to go to InvestorSchooling.com and sign up for this Thursday's class. What else do we have to tell him, Deb? Money multiplier. Money multiplier, right? So, 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 uh, uh, oh yeah. So, um, uh, Glenn's saying we, we need more more Doctor Deb and less and less Omri. Oh, there we go. Glenn, something like that. Glenn, you should just say that. <laughs> so, so real quick, we do have some. We have an event coming up on August twelfth. I, I think it's the twelfth. August twelfth. Yeah. It's the Money Multiplier. We do these events every once in a while. They're full day events. It's ninety seven dollars to attend. You go to 4mmw.com, the number 4mmw.com, and you can feel free to join us there. All right, let's bring in Ice Cream Gary. What's going on, Ice Cream Jar Gary? Good afternoon, Larry. I just want to mention I received your book. Oh, Quite good. I'm glad. Thursday. It's an easy read, a good read. I'm halfway through. And my next question, Larry, was did you uh, open your ice cream corner? We did. We opened about a, about a little over a month ago. And it's doing okay. I mean, you know, it's okay. covering the bills, which is the best part. But, you know, I really was hoping that the, the guy who I have running it would make a little bit more money. But I think in time it will. You know, we had some issues with permits and some issues with this and that. But we got it open, you know, uh, luckily to, to the power of Facebook, I should say. We had so many followers on Facebook before we even opened that when we posted that we were having trouble opening, somebody tagged the mayor of the town and the mayor called me the next day and worked it all out. So it's kind of cool that you know I'm hanging out with President Trump. I'm hanging out with the with the Prime Minister of the Bahamas. I've got a judge in my in my studio, and and the mayor of towns are calling me. So I, I must be becoming somebody pretty popular. And then don't forget that your your book just went uh, bestseller. That's right, my book. By the way, Gary, my book is now a bestseller, and Los Angeles Tribune claims it as a bestseller. Nice. Or like the best reader. What's Larry, that? We're going to petition Greg Stocker to get you on full time. Yeah, you, got, you definitely got to call him up. You got to call on Monday. You got to call on Monday. You got to call the show in the morning show. The the Kale, what's it? Kale, Kale and Company show, and you know, and, and ask for Greg right. and talk to him and say, hey, you got to get Larry Stein has his own show. Yeah, there you go, Larry. <laughs> Thank you. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. All right, anybody else want to call in? 855 939 1137 855-939-1137. 855-939-1137. One more time, 855-939-1137. Hey, Glenn, why don't you take us to a commercial, and we'll get back, and we'll find out what Noah wants. This is Larry Steinitz with Investment Schooling. All right. You're clear. Well, the Great Reset won't apply to those who own real Everybody assets. Everybody says Army talks and too much, Glenn. Schooling, we teach you how to own real assets. I, I, I was just joking. Semi-annual. Semi -annual. Other I'm investments, including <laughs> stocks, <laughs> stock options, you and even the basics I'm of cryptocurrency. Wow. I don't know what I can teach you. See, I don't know what he knows more. Legally. He's landlording. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just so you guys know, we are still live on Facebook. On Facebook. We're not live on the air, but we're live on Facebook. This is Larry Steinhaus, and you have probably heard my radio shows. Can listen to Larry? Yeah, hold on. Yeah, what's up, man? 
So I would uh, ask Omri to just get a little closer to his mic again. Can I just um, mute him? You can mute him. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I just want to make sure he's mic. close to his mic when he talks. And also, you may want to... I, I sent you the message. Yeah, you just the same way we repeat the number for the listener a bunch of times, you really want to reinforce for them what you know who your guest is. And, yeah, and his, I got it. They, they, they'll, they, they sometimes miss it. Yeah, I got that. They'll tune in that. late and they don't know what's going on. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Downtown is around the corner. What does that mean? Time for is you? going by so fast. Yeah, I'm exactly. forgetting. Learn how to take advantage of this opportunity, wow. like how to buy this kind of properties um, with absolutely We can talk about it on the Can it be done? Yes, it can. Can you learn how to do it? Yes, you can. Go to investorschooling.com. Find out how you can attend a complimentary class this Thursday. Investorschooling.com. This is Larry. Okay, All right, more. 30 seconds. Okay, thank you, sir. The fate of the Great yeah, Reset, well, the Great Reset won't yeah. apply to those who own real assets. At Investor Schooling, we teach you how to own real assets like real estate, gold, silver, and other investments, including stocks, stock options, ah. and even the basics of cryptocurrency. You think we people even like teach you how to pay blend. thousands less in taxes. Omri, I'm going to bludgeon you with that mic when you don't stay <laughs> close to it. I will use this one. It's much better. Here we go. <laughs> Dot com. Not an idle threat. <laughs> all right welcome back welcome back to investor schooling live this is larry steinhouse i am the ceo of investor schooling i'm here with with judge ed levine this is a pretty interesting conversation i'm here with Armory too uh, don't be upset Armory. i will mention Who? you yeah exactly okay of course i'm here with the most important person in the room or the smartest person in the room is dr deb hey everybody and we also here with noah levine too which we're going to talk about in, in a minute so noah why don't you tell us a little bit about why you came today um, yes. You got to talk closer to the microphone? Yeah, so um, I'm here with my dad, who's obviously the judge, and I've tuned in to your show a number of times, and um, I thought it was a good chance to, to meet you and, and learn some more about real estate and uh, landlord-tenant and uh, finance. So, yeah. So should, should I give him a free autograph? <laughs> you should sign his wow. book. He'll be so excited. I, what I thought was great was was Noah was surprised that we actually had a pretty decent setup, and he expected some like little hole in the wall place with like microphone coming out of the yeah. Out of check the desk. check out check, so, tell everybody about it. Is, it I is mean, a pretty cool place. Yeah, tell tell everybody what you see because you know most people the people who watch it could see it, but but I people see, on the air um, microphones coming out of the table like spider legs and. Um, <laughs> What are you? Nice. What, what are you, an author of a book? Uh, could be. Annoying people. So, so uh, what did you? So you you're you're going for finance, correct? Um, yeah. Right now, I'm getting my master's in financial engineering at Lehigh. So I'm going to tell you right now, everything they're teaching is wrong. Okay. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> financial engineering. What does that even yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. What does um, that mean? That's, you know, like pricing certain financial derivatives is a good example. Um, like Ooh. options, the way they're priced. Um, has to do with like the stochastic nature of the, the equities or the whatever the underlying security is um you know credit default swaps trading those pricing those that type of uh, there's a lot like any trading strategies involved in the market um well i don't think anything that you teach will will uh, match <laughs> at all with what no so he, he's what he's and it's interesting because what he's teaching is he's teaching the actual math which okay. i i i per, you know purposely don't teach like the delta the gamma yep. the um the beta, what was the other one? Uh, row and yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we so we go through these. I, I every once in a while, somebody forces me to teach this, and I'm and then, and then, and I'm like, but it doesn't matter because the price of the option, all of these factors change every second. Right. 
So the price of the option changes, the price changes every second, but all that matters is are you going to make money or are you going to lose money? Right. And I teach how to how to avoid losing money. Right. You know, it doesn't it doesn't always work, but m most of the time it works. So that's what I'm teaching. That's why that's why I don't bother, you know. Like sometimes I'll say that, you know, I'll talk about the delta, the gamma. Most of the time I talk about the delta, but who cares? Yeah. It's not that important. You know, if the stock goes up one point uh, and, and your option goes up 60 cents, who cares? Right. It's not that important. What's really important is how much did you pay for the option, how much are you going to make, and how much are you going to lose if you stick in there too long and keep, keep you know, going to a bad place. So then, so then no, what's your end game? Like, so you're going to get your master's in financial engineering and then yeah. what? Um, I would like to get into the quant space, which is you know, using or trading different financial securities um, in different ways to, to make money. Uh, so like you, like, you, like you said, trading options is one example of what something, you know, a quant might do, but they also would price these options and make a market for these options. Um, so, you know, that's, and they also, you know, they, it's not just options, there's ETFs, uh, a lot of debt derivatives, um, stocks, all of it. So the best place to go to learn that is go to investorschooling.com, right. and you can learn how to make money doing this instead of just you know instead of just it's using all your go. all your dad's money to, for your education. <laughs> so I, so I had to go back to you. You had I had a question for you. So you said something interesting. You said the lawyer in me before, and are you a lawyer? I am a lawyer. Okay. Um, I went to Temple Night School, graduated '06, but I do want to point out for these MDJs, the 500. I said. They don't I think have to most be are not lawyers. I, I think about half. They don't have to be lawyers. And uh, people always ask, well, shouldn't they have to be lawyers? I look at it pragmatically. You know, the lawyer in me says, yeah, that, yeah, they should be lawyers. But, you know, there are good judges that know the law that aren't lawyers. There are bad judges that are lawyers that don't know diddly-boo. Okay. Um, you got to learn the stuff. And, you know, I, I have a good friend of mine. He just got sworn in. For a vacant judicial position, and he's a—he's been a lawyer twenty years, does a lot of criminal defense. But he's like, I don't know what what to do with landlord tenant. Never done it. I'm like, don't worry, I'll teach you. you yeah. You'll you'll get the ropes in about a month or two. That's interesting. You'll be good. So you know, I'm going through this whole big thing with the tax collector. You should probably look it up. Talk to uh, Alfarano. Oh, talk to him about it. I, Mark. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't want to get into. The, I don't oh, want, yeah. I mean, I. I, I by the way, he, he's out of it, so you could talk to him about it. But he'll he'll, he'll actually he'll, he'll you probably could. Talk over a nice game of golf or a beer over that it's that whole thing. Usually a beer. <laughs> yeah, because it's because it's an interesting case. But I have to take this now to, I have to take this now to um, Montgomery. Yeah, Montgomery County yeah. Court because this thing is it's a been a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And I probably I'll probably tell it to you off off okay. the air because I I don't want to I I don't know I I am wondering if it's an ethic issue. It may or may not be. Well, uh, Amir Omri. Omri. Omri had a question for me. So my question while we were in the commercial break was, what's your recommendation for a landlord? Do you think it's necessary to come with a lawyer? It depends on the situation. If mm -hmm. it's just your basic, hey, he owes me this much money, here's the ledger, I don't think you need a lawyer for that. If it's getting complicated, if you've got a, a nasty tenant that's claiming this, that, and the other thing, you may want to have a lawyer with you. And it depends how much experience you have doing that and going into the court. I mean... I get a lot of authorized representatives. They're not lawyers, but they represent you know, Scully Company that has Hatfield Village, for sure. example. They know what they're doing. But when there are cases with an ornery tenant, let's get the corporate lawyer for this one. So I know it's going to be an interesting one when he steps or she steps foot into the court uh, for that. So it really depends. 
you know, the, the little guy landlord that owns two or three properties, it's tough to get a, a lawyer. It's expensive, you know? Yeah, but it's, it's it, also very aggravating sometimes. I, yeah. yeah. And, I was and in court. Yeah. It seems like that you need to be in the lawyer just to uh, sometimes just so you will be able to present your, your, your status. It, if you have a tenant in front of you and the tenant, uh, we, we say there are, no, there, are, there are no bad tenants. There are only bad landlords. That's what if, if you have a pro-tenant, a tenant that knows what they are doing, and they come in and say, I didn't sign this lease in this date, while their, their signature is next to the date. And you need to, to sometimes deal with people that are, are pro. They know how to, to try to, to use the system, to trick the system. I, I'll just say, sometimes having a lawyer doesn't guarantee anything. I've had some bad lawyers come in. <laughs> they didn't win diddly poo, and I think their client felt, oh well, I have a lawyer, I'm going to win, and no, it doesn't work no, that way either. Absolutely not. So, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I, I've also, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I, you know, I've had two cases so far, and it, it, they're all related to this tax collector issue, and I had it in one court and another court, and in both cases, it seemed like the because because the the township had an attorney and I didn't, it seemed like the judge felt like, you know what, let's just make this guy go away and. And make them lose, and he'll go away. Yeah, because they have to see that attorney again, and that's the way I felt when I left. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't me. <laughs> I try not to. No, make it, people you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. I would be throwing darts at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, a lawyer comes in; they're going to articulate the case. They'll they'll know the case. All they're more prepared. But you know what? As at the MDJ level. I understand people can't afford lawyers. People come to pro say it actually sometimes can be an advantage not to have one because I'm going to empathize a little more with yeah. the guy without the lawyer trying his best to just. Yeah. And if they do it sincerely, you know they're swearing on the Bible too. And, yeah. and hey. they get away, and, and they can get away with more. So a pro yeah. say so if I go in, and I I don't fully understand the court procedure, although I'm learning it really well. Well, <laughs> I, I'll, with MDJs, it, it's pretty loosey goosey right. anyway on procedure. I mean, right. I, I don't want to keep it that formal sure. because everything at our level also is de novo, which means if somebody appeals, it's brand new. Right. All that stuff we argued and fought about in front of the, the sure. district judge, it's gone. It doesn't mean anything anyway. They go up to county court and they're going to argue it and they're not going to go, well, what did they say? When? It's not on record. So it, it's the yeah, right. I agree. So, so, you know, so I, I'm actually so one of the things I'm actually dealing with right now is I was suing somebody. I won a default case. They didn't. So, so by the way, just so you guys know, and I'm sure you'll, you'll agree, if you ever get a letter from a court that says you're going to be sued, you must answer that letter. You must go to the courthouse and say you're going to defend yourself or give it to an attorney and tell them you're going to defend yourself. So the person I was suing never did that. They never they never mm -hmm. uh, went to the courthouse. So I so I won by default. Then. That person then had they got received a letter that uh, that they lost, and then they now have thirty days to appeal that decision. And if they do not appeal that decision within thirty days, it's over. Done. Now the problem is uh, this person hired an attorney, and they're trying to do a non a, a non proton, non which is absolutely ridiculous. But we'll <laughs> see what happens. In your case, it might be. I and the non proton is. It, it happens a lot in traffic tickets. So why don't you explain what that means, nunc pro tonk? Yeah. Nunc pro tonk. Don't ask me what it means. In I'll English. tell you what it means. It, it means it means before is after, before or is after is before, yeah. or something like that. It means you know you're turning back time. You should be a lawyer. You know your Latin better than me. Um, <laughs> but you know, in traffic tickets, there are a lot of times people just ignore it. They get right. the ticket. They and then it's three years later. And they're like, oh my god, I got this, that, and the other thing. 
I need to get my driving record back. I got to work. I got to do this. They file the nunc pro tonk. It's it's basically an appeal outside of the appeal period. And then they go in in front of a judge and oh look here's what's going on and I just want to get my license. Whatever gets worked out. But it happens primarily in traffic tickets. Right. Overdue and expired. Yeah, I think it's I think it was a good play by the attorney, but yeah. I, I don't think they stand a chance. The, the you know from what I from what I understand of this, it has to be. It has to. There has to be a reason. Like the guy was in the hospital. He didn't. He didn't receive the letter. Um, the you know the file, The clerk that he filed the, the the response to didn't file it properly. Yeah, I think the threshold would be higher in a civil. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see. I'll let you know how it turns out. But it's it it absolutely blew my mind because as soon as I sent him a demand letter after the 30 days were up, I sent him a demand letter. That's when the that's when I heard from the attorney. The law. Yeah, so I, I want I, I want the real law. I don't want the law that's made up at the you know from that judge that sits behind the counter and makes up makes up his own law. Now we don't make it up. I mean, the rules are the rules. Yeah. The law is the law. I mean, but you do get situations where you're trying to do what's right and what's fair. Yeah. Uh, I had one. I don't really want to get into detail. I had a tough one the other day. It was a mobile home thing, and uh, and there was a dog involved in biting and. Oh boy. I, it was very borderline whether she violated the rules of the homeowners association, and the penalty was pretty severe. It was eviction, and I'm as an 80 year old lady. The dog got off the leash, and by the way, the police didn't charge dangerous dog or anything like that. I was just ruling on the eviction and trying to figure out what's fair because I have a woman who got bit, and I have yeah. a woman whose dog bit him, and I have five other people who were vouching for the dog and. It was just hard either way. Yeah, there was yeah, no yeah. winning on that yeah, one. Yeah, but yeah. a lot of times, and this happens with landlord tenants, I'm trying to figure out what's the right thing, what's the fair thing. I've had cases where a tenant is behind and we're talking about it, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to continue this four weeks just so you know if what you're saying is true or what you're saying is true and you need to do this and get that check, maybe we could forego all these issues, come back in four weeks. And a lot of times... Four weeks later, the landlord will send in a letter saying, hey, it's been resolved. That's great. We don't need yeah. that. Because the authority uh, so, is involved, so the tenant take it more seriously? That's what you think? No, I, Maybe, or maybe they're waiting on a tax return or a health insurance yeah. check or something like that. Sometimes it's, it's just a money thing that hasn't come through here or there. It can get rectified. Uh, hold, hold on. All right, so real quick, this is Larry Steinhaus. This is Investor Schooling Live. I'm here with uh, Judge Ed Levine. And we're having a great time, great time, I guess, talking about <laughs> being a judge, talking about uh, the law, talking about landlord-tenant complaints. And it's interesting because if you go to court, you, you become intimidated, right? You actually went to court, Debbie, yep. right? You went to court and you were so intimidated. I was. And it was, yeah. it was actually, she had, a, she had a possible case, but she was so, it wasn't a landlord-tenant case, it was a civil matter. And I, you know, I was kind of helping her with her a little mm -hmm. bit, but I can't. I'm not a lawyer, so I can't stand next to her and whisper in her ear. Yeah. I actually was in, you know, sitting in the back and just watching, and she blew it because she wasn't. She wanted. She didn't want to be aggressive. She she was afraid that the judge might say, "Be quiet." You know, the the um, the defendant was lying, and she was just sitting there nodding her head and not not saying, "He's lying. He's lying. He's lying." So, what is real court etiquette? Oh, well, you know, it really, at my level, it depends a lot on the judge and their demeanor. I am definitely one of the more late. I want people to be comfortable when they come to my court. I mean, I have concert posters in my court. So, and I, I wear <laughs> flip-flops under my robe. I want it to be a place where people feel like they're being heard and they're getting a fair decision. 
and I don't want people to feel intimidated. I got interns sitting in the back just hanging out. Right. I tried it. You came in. I just yeah, wanted yeah, everyone yeah. to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't be a feeling of intimidation. Yeah, it wasn't that. When I when I went, it, that wasn't. It was just a frustrating it was, yeah, opponent. It was, it was like, this is what's going on, and, and it was a very not friendly environment. Mm, well, you know, if somebody's confrontational, a judge should be able to pick up on that, too. I mean, we pick up on, you know, you're talking, but I'm looking at the, the, the defendant, and they're rolling their eyes, or they're exasperated, and that stuff doesn't work. It doesn't play well uh, when you get defendants or, or lieutenants or whatever, just really just, you, you can pick up on insincerity, you can pick up on credibility, things like that, and that's part of what we have to do. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I like it. By the way, if anybody wants to call, we got just a couple more minutes, 855-939-1137. 855-939-1137. Of course, if you want to go to investorschooling.com, you can sign up for this Thursday's class. It's going to be another good class. i got a couple of special guests coming this Thursday. 855-939-1137. Anybody have a question for the judge? Feel free to call in. What's up, Omri? I know you want to talk. I can see it in your face. Well, I just have a question. So before Omri gets on, and since right. they're asking to talk to me a little bit more, I do have a question. So one of the reasons that I kept my mouth shut is that I didn't want to be that crazy woman who kept interrupting the other guy when he was trying to tell his story. So and that that was where I was coming from because I didn't want to come off that way as you know keep interrupting. But that's good self control and patience, you know. And you wait and you're like, Your Honor, this is all false. This is instead of every time they say something false. So that's what I yourself. did, but I yeah. but it didn't did work. Did you in lose? My, yeah, I lost. It was, <laughs> no, no, it was not in my favor. I've been shushed. She, she didn't do it. She didn't. She, so you you the, the the problem was and sorry I don't want to get into the case but it was while I was watching the guy kept saying that when you brought it in it had all these problems and it didn't that was, you know, so it, was a, it was a transmission case so so it had all these problems and every time he said that you did it had all these problems you should have interrupted it none of those problems happened when I brought it in he that happened when I picked it up and that was the difference that was what you were suing for you were suing because he broke your transmission and you know and he's saying he was saying that when you brought it in and did this and did this and did this and you didn't say anything, that's what that was where I would have absolutely he's he's lying. Can I just say I hate those car cases. I I okay. haven't had one in a while, but man, uh, let me tell you, I don't know diddly about cars, and I get a mechanic saying this and I get somebody else saying that. I mean, in general, it's always nice to have, especially if you're the uh, the plaintiff and you feel like the mechanic did something wrong to have another guy who's a mechanic there saying, well, here's what I saw. Yeah, Having right. an expert, basically. Yeah, because the mechanic's going to say, oh, I, I did this, this, and this. Uh, it's tough. It's an uphill battle. Yeah. And also what you're battling against sometimes is these mechanics are local. They live in the, the district where the judge lives. Maybe they even fix the judge's car. That would be a recusal. But, you know, you kind of <laughs> know some of the people in the area. I, the mechanic would process, well, you might have filed it where you live. So I, I don't know the details. All I'm saying is I hate car auto cases. So here's the question. So you mentioned the word recusal, which I, which is a really interesting word. It means that you can't, you have to walk away from the case because of. I, I feel like I can't be fair and impartial. Right. So what happens now if if I have a couple of units that I need to go in front of you now because you're here? I would say I don't think I would need to recuse. I, you've been on the show. I, look, I, I'm friendly with lawyers. I'm friendly with sure. police officers. You can have a friendly demeanor in a conversation. Do I feel like if you come in and you got a stinker of a case, I'm going to still rule for you? No, I'm going to rule against you. And that's the type of relationship I want to have, to be able to tell you the truth. Cool. I have that with lawyers. I have lawyers. I'm friends with them. Like, you had a dog and you lost, and they know it. Sometimes they know they have a dog, but they got to come in and advocate for their right. client. 
So it, it's something I have to really be cognizant of. I don't want to recuse if I don't have to because that passes it off onto another judge. I don't want to give one of my colleagues, you know, extra work that they don't need. So I take it seriously, but I, I think I understand where that threshold is. So if you come in in front of me, I, I think I could be totally fair. I don't have yeah, because we didn't have you on the show until I wanted to make sure that the case we were on was completely over, mm -hmm. and that, that that was what we waited for. That's why it, this took so long. So uh, the other question I have is interesting: is what do when you go to to the court, do you say judge or do you say your honor, or does it not matter? I, it doesn't matter to me. To other people, it might matter. I, I mean, I, I it tends to be the more disciplined people, like police and military, who who've been brought up on that type of discipline, always your honor or the judge. And then the people that are loosey-goosey, it doesn't bother me either. I don't get hung up on the title at all. Yeah, I was just wondering what the what the correct way was. Actually, like Judge Ed. Judge Ed, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, guys, we, I got I to I sign out now, Armory, so be quiet. I want to I thank you so much, Ed, for, for coming here today. Thank you. I want to thank you, of course, Noah, for coming as well. Thank and, you. of course, Dr. Deb and the worst landlord. And, of course, Glenn Page, who is the ultimate excellent engineer, who didn't even burst in and, and, and interrupt today. It was fantastic. Uh, so we had an interesting show today. And if you guys want to find out more about Investor Schooling, go to InvestorSchooling.com. You can sign up for this Thursday's class. I promise you it's going to be a good one. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's InvestorSchooling.com. We will see you on Thursday. This program is paid for.